0: My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you're enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher or Podbean as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency, that's w-i-l-d-e.agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Patricia, and today I am sitting down with Kate Gardner. She's the founder and CEO of Grey Horse. Grey Horse is a boutique agency building holistic communications for media brands globally. Welcome, Kate. Hey, nice to see you, Patricia. How are you today? Good. Very well, as good as can be expected. I'm so glad that you took the time to sit down with us in these um, kind of very ambiguous times and talk with us about Grey Horse. Um, I know a lot of audience members are really going to appreciate it. So I want to say thank you um, up front for meeting with me. Oh, of course, of course. Well, for everyone listening, um, I'm going to read a bio on Kate. But before I get to that, a quick roadmap of today's podcast. It's going to follow the trajectory that all of the um, podcasts in this series follow. Namely, we'll look at Kate's academic background and early professional life prior to um, uh, founding Gray Horse. And then we'll unpack Gray Horse, first we'll look at the um, nuts and bolts of the who, what, when, where, why, how, funding, all of that good stuff on the back end. Then we'll look um, forward to the ethos and the growth and things that Gray Horse has done since the launch. And then we'll turn our focus towards goals that Kate may have for the next three years regarding um, scaling, branding, um, any other kinds of expansion, which given the current climate um, of The economy is really interesting to see how that changes for everyone on a daily basis. We'll wrap everything up with advice that Kate may have for those of you who are looking to get involved with Grey Horse and um, some of its services or perhaps mirror Kate's success. A quick bio on Kate before I start asking her some questions. Kate Gardner is the founder of Grey Horse, a boutique agency building holistic communications for media brands globally. She is also known in the worlds of media technology and broadcast for her understanding of journalism, audience engagement, and social media. Gardner began as a traditional journalist, eventually focusing on social media and running her own shop. Her work has reached millions across platforms, from her work with PBS NewsHour, Newsweek, where she was the director of audience engagement, New York Public Radio, and Al Jazeera in Doha, Gardner has managed dozens of projects driving long tail distribution through social media, partnerships, public relations, and new platform adoption. Both Gardner and her clients have won awards with the Online News Association and the Emmys. She is a member of the 2016 class of Forbes 30 Under 30, among other awards. Gardner speaks frequently about the role of women in the workplace, audience engagement strategies for small and mid sized companies and building community for specific niche audiences. She also hosts events and programming around health, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. She resides in New York City. And you can learn more at www.grayhorse.cc and KateGardner.com, that's K-A-T-E-G-A-R-D-I-N-E-R.com. So, Kate, I'm really excited to get into Gray Horse and what you do there. We spoke a little bit off the record um, regarding how I appreciate even the web design and things of that nature. But before we get to that, I'm hoping that you can give us a brief understanding or a glimpse at your academic background and early professional life prior to developing Gray Horse.
1: Sure. So I was a journalist um, for about six years. Uh, I started out as an undergraduate at Brandeis University and uh, just outside Boston in Waltham. Um, and then I was a journalist in Hawaii. We went bankrupt. I ended up at Medill, the journalism school at Northwestern. Uh, and I graduated from both that program and from a media specific program at Kellogg. Um, after that, I ended up bouncing through all sorts of traditional media organizations as you said um including the bbez in chicago the radio station um, pbs news hour then al jazeera then all over new york uh, including my last position at uh, uh, newsweek um and then from there
0: i started this company
1: um which is coming up on about five years
0: okay so you guys launched in about 2015
1: 2016 yeah it was the very end of 2015 um and we actually had a different name at that point but uh same difference and we've had the privilege of having a lot of awesome clients over the years so um.
0: absolutely five years is a good amount i like a five-year in company with most people because you've got you some of your growing pains behind you but you're still kind of in the thick of it you know things are still changing daily were you the original founder did you have co-founders and did I you take
1: did, any funding? Yeah, uh, we've never taken funding. Uh, we are a good old-fashioned cash business. Um, and I did have co-founders at the beginning in 2015, 2016. Uh, they left me in 2017. And, uh, we, but we kept most of the staff, and it's gone on ever since. So this year, we've got about 10 employees um, all over the country because we were fully remote. Uh, and we've uh,
0: had all sorts of crazy adventures that I'm happy to talk about. Absolutely. How, so when you originally structured it, if you had co-founders and then mm-hmm. you switched out to them kind of um, dissolving, did the structure of the company change at that point? And is that when you took on yeah. the title, Grey Horse?
1: Yeah, we actually uh, dissolved the original corporate entity and I transferred the staff over to another company that I had. Uh, it was briefly called the still. Um, and that was actually a company that my dad had given to me for my 16th birthday because he's a, an attorney and it nice. amused him. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent. And then, uh, through a series of changes, we ended up with a gray horse, which, uh, is actually named after my horse Copenhagen, uh, who is a gray horse.
0: Um, <laughs> nice. Why not? That's fantastic. So, since you've been um, the sole, let's say, founder and 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 chief executive officer, how has the um, has there been change in um, the industries that you serve or the way that it's structured? Have things moved or have they kind of stayed the same since its original build? <laughs>
1: Uh, we are not uh, at all the same company that we started as. Um, so I have done everything from consulting work with major media companies through traditional public re- relations to building conferences and events to um, handling a lot of large scale crisis communications. Uh, situations. And uh, we've had the privilege of of working with some of the best people in industry across the board. And, uh, you know, it's a referrals based business. So it's also kind of we we eat what we catch, um, Mm -hmm. which has been wild. Uh, But we've been extraordinarily fortunate. And uh, I've enjoyed many, many, many of the projects that we've managed to put out in the world.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when you get on your site, what I love um, about, it's, it's kind of apparent uh, even before knowing your background that you, you have this incredible history with um, like transparency and like succinct information. Like I think one of the first things that really caught my eye, even on your website was, you know, you, you list off these areas that you, you and your company work in and specialize in and then you say, that's a lot. So let's get into examples of what we're talking about. It's all very like um, transparent and straightforward on your site. And I'm wondering how many of those um, particular areas that you assist people in developed along the way or how crystallized was the idea of what you were going to provide your clients or did it kind of come about as your clients needed things?
1: Uh, it's completely that last point. Uh, so our, our structure is entirely organic. Um, it used to be that I, I was basically a freelancer with an assistant. Um, and then it turned out that we could start to hire people. We just had so much work uh, coming in. And so we kept growing and adding things. And then it became sort of a, a question that was more people coming to me and saying, Hey, Kate, I want to work with you. What do you do? Um, and I would use, I used to say, well, what do you need? Um, and now uh, it, helps folks to <laughs> it helps folks to have a list. Um, and that's kind of where all of this stuff comes from. Uh, but we've been very, 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 uh, everything that comes in my door, I say yes to, and then sometimes we figure it out by the skin of our teeth. But uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's been wild. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, the one thing that I always do is answer just about every email. And that's, that's really the key, <laughs> key to our success is, is quite frankly yeah. been wildly responsive um, and being uh, extraordinarily bespoke. So we have had all sorts of different people from all sorts of walks of life come in and our, our uh, you know, my, there's a motto on the wall of my dad's office that says no job too big or small. And that's sort of what we've lived up to as well.
0: That's awesome because I think that there's kind of an, um, there's a flip side to that, that I've been hearing a lot with um, entrepreneurs. um, And it's really across the different, you know, it's not millennial entrepreneurs or, um, or some of the boomers, anyone in between Gen X, but a lot of people get into like this whole like niche like only service Mm -hmm. one small community, only do this. And I think that while there is merit to that, because it helps um, really crystallize people's goals and what they're doing and their own purpose and their value driven aspects, it closes the door on um, a lot of what kind of of what you're describing of this this Mm -hmm. openness of people who can work across different populations and um, industries and kind of you know, fine tune their skills as they go. I personally came up with like a generation where um, you wanted someone who knew a little bit about the other industries. It was that cross pollination that was, you know, um, developing the dot com industry that would blow people out of the water and things like that. You wanted this like hybrid person that could do a couple of different things so it's cool to see that um, kind of represented in what you're doing. I know that you, if, you know, if when people visit your website, you have, um, you have an emphasis, you have a, a focalized point towards um, women or female identified um, individuals and people like that. Can you kind of speak towards the ethos of your company in those areas? Sure. We, we prefer to
1: support businesses that we can believe in, right? So that's like the, the base point of this. Um, but the secondary element is that I, I you know, I didn't. Know, I didn't know that I was a girl in the sense of business girl type stuff mm-hmm. until I was probably 25, um, and it became very apparent that that was going to be an issue with particular people that I was working with. And mm-hmm. over time, from there, we we really started to dedicate a lot of our work to the women's movement. Uh, I used to run a very influential network of women uh, who who were really committed to changing uh, the future of in the way that women were received in the workplace. And that started to influence my work. Um, and then the people who've been attracted to working with me um, and who've been the most dedicated have really been from, from the women's movement, from the feminist movement. Um, but that said, we, we do take male clients uh, sometimes very cynically. What I'll say is, is, you know, we, to have to take male clients and the reason we have to is because women don't have the money yet um, mm-hmm. and I I talk about that a lot because to me like isolating ourselves from the money doesn't actually help us with our overall mission of, of having empowering more women um, and so we're by no means exclusive um, and, and we go out of our way to uh, ensure that we service anyone and anybody who's values or our corporate values or otherwise um kind of are in keeping with what we hope our goals are going to be for the next several years
0: absolutely do you have your um do you affiliate yourself with anyone or have you ever in the past um not even just with uh, sponsorship probably isn't an idea but like affiliations i always wonder if if people like Now or um, or Neral or people ever tried to affiliate mm-hmm. with companies such as yours, I've spoken to a lot of people um, who've developed companies. Gender Fair. I was just talking to someone earlier today. Oh,
1: Amy. Yeah, I know her.
0: Yeah, and then exactly, and then eighty one cents or eighty three cents. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but um, all of these different companies that are kind of starting up. And I had asked them, you know, do you guys affiliate with anyone? And everyone's answer was no, but we'd love to. And so I was wondering if you had ever affiliated yourself with someone or if you would consider that or if you want to keep Grey Horse kind of um, more, I, like, insulated from those kinds of affiliations. Yeah,
1: we we are not formal partners with anyone, but uh, you'll find us behind the scenes with a lot of those organizations. And it's not that we don't want to be public partners with them. It's honestly that... Uh, you know, organizations like Naral need all the money to go directly to them, right? And mm-hmm. so, for me, the business sense is I will give you a certain amount of my time, or I'll I'll program something for you, or I'll do a, a fundraiser or something like that. Um, and and we definitely do that. Um, Amy's over at Gender Fair. You know, she's doing a really important thing for for corporations, and and mm-hmm. we do love working with her when it makes sense. It is uh, it's a heavy upsell right now um, to have social impact and CSR type programs, even when they are beneficial, like the Gender Fair cer- uh, certification. Mm-hmm. And in part because you know the economy has shifted so dramatically in the past month that really no one has any idea what they should be spending money on, but everybody's trying to save for a rainy day because we're all sensing that a rainy day is coming. Um, and actually, to your earlier point about sort of the flexibility, the reason that like Grey Horse and, and my team are, are tasked with anything, anytime is quite frankly because during the 2008-2009 recession, when, everything, when media first started to die um, in mm-hmm. it, from its current form, uh, you had to be able to do anything you had to develop expertise doing whatever it was that you could possibly think of. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that was just basically cause you didn't, you, you quite literally had no predictable income if you were a media person. You know, some of us, I, I know a woman who's recently been, been laid off for the fifth or sixth time in the past three years. I know that another woman who, you know, has just frankly given up on having jobs and, and started her own thing. I know many, many, many people who've had to leave the industry um, and if that's what's happened to you, that flexibility is the thing that's going to save you and, 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 keep income coming in from somewhere. Um, be it, you know, everything from wedding photography to writing obituaries, you know, there's, there's Absolutely. that level of creativity that's required. Um, we love working with, we've worked with Planned Parenthood in the sense that on occasion we, we, uh, assist them, uh, in some endeavors, um, and then we've also worked across a lot of the uh, environmental networks. So we've worked with a lot of ocean-specific conservation groups. Um, and what I have to say about that, all of that is is that the challenge really is once you affiliate with yourself as one of those groups, you're kind of stuck with them. And mm-hmm. that can be good. Um, but if the, if it is perceived as the wrong one by the wrong person, then you can never work with that other team. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the, it's one of the failings of sort of nonprofit and, act, and activism, you know, there's always these petty wars, uh, that distract from whatever the greater good might have been.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. It's hard to get caught up. <laughs> I know. And there is that, that pressure. I, I do understand that. I think, um, even with, with sponsorships, which happen a lot in podcasts and, and things that I do, mm-hmm. you know, there is. There's a temptation to get um, things funded, but also a a leeryness of of having it somehow exclude you. You know, um, Mm -hmm. the whole um, adage, uh, tell me who you run with and I'll tell you who you are. You know, none of us want to be boxed in. Um, But again, it's also like unless you unite, you die, you know, and so there's also that. It is interesting, though, Mm -hmm. um, that a lot of people work in communion with each other, but don't necessarily have the same... I guess old school affiliations, perhaps I'm even dating myself suggesting that people be affiliated anymore. Not certain. I wonder with looking into what you're doing now and you've touched a little bit on it and I don't suppose you have, you know, a doctoral thesis, around, um, thought based on it, but from what you can tell in your industry and because you did reflect back on, you know, kind of the, the metamorphosis, the news or the dying off happened in the 2008 and what media was and would become, um, looking at your industry now and looking at the COVID-19 pandemic that's happening, do you have any particular, have you surmised an idea of of things that you'll need to integrate into your company in order to guarantee that you stay afloat?
1: Um, you know, we are uh, unique in a lot of ways, and so I, at the moment, feel cautiously optimistic about our future, which I know is unusual in our part of the industry. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't. I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, and i also you know last time everything was so unpredictable that anything that i had said the first day of the problem was not what i was saying the last day right but uh at the moment my major concern is that we have whatever three and a half million plus people who are unemployed in the first month of the disaster and Mm -hmm. and that's the united states and the money that those people pay trickles up and is conglomerated by some of the companies. And then the companies are the people who eventually pay us. Right. And mm-hmm. my concern is three to six months down the road when, uh, some of the, that conglomeration is, is just no longer happening. Um, and someone's budget runs out or someone's project dies or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I like to think that our product offerings are so diverse that if there is money on the table, we'll at least have a really good shot of winning it uh, through proposal phases or things like that. Um, my girls are wildly creative, very, very ambitious, and they work very, very, very hard. Um, yeah. And I'm very, I, I, I do believe in my team at this point. My focus is on getting resources to them uh, so that they can do the work that they love um, and so that we can try to survive this particular version of the apocalypse. Because, you know, it's odd to think of it that way, but this is literally a version of a very slow moving tidal wave or, you know, the locusts or quite Mm -hmm. literally a plague, right? So, It's also just a kind of a wait and see. Uh, I know that uh, lots and lots of us are just frantically filling in the SBA forms and all of the other forms from the government, knowing that we might not need the resources, but it is better to be in the line and say no than it is to not have been in the line at all. (laughs) So uh, uh, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. I think the one benefit of this situation is that it is going to kill a lot of sort of mediocre companies in media mm-hmm. and either free up that capital for new companies to be formed that might have better ideas mm-hmm. um, or uh, it will unfortunately enhance the power of, of the largest companies in our spaces. Um, either way, I think that there, it, it has gotten a bit, ridiculous from the venture capital side of things mm. and some money was just being ill spent I'm hopeful that some of this will teach people to spend money better but uh, yeah. at the same time I am on the side of of the governor Cuomo when he says you know there's there's no dollar value on him in life mm-hmm. and I would rather that you know we use our economic prowess to facilitate both a cure for the disease and then a cure for whatever happens to the economy in these coming months. Um, yeah, and, I, and I'm hopeful that New York gets to lead the way. It is very, very hard to watch what is happening to everything from hospitality and hotels to you know construction to any sort of physical endeavor that requires two people to interact. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as a person, his job is to literally meet people on a daily basis. The isolation is wild. Um, and I'm, I'm, we work with a mental health practice and, and they are having, for better or worse, a, a, an extraordinary increase in the number of clients served.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. Because of how many bad things are happening right now.
0: Absolutely. My sister is a therapist and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and she's doubled her workload, uh, not even out of desire, but, but out of, you know, the, the duty she feels and her colleagues feel to kind of meet that, that calling of people who are terrified, you know, people who need to Mm -hmm. speak and and do things of that nature. I know there's been a lot, I, I hope, um, given to your earlier suspicions, um, that, well, I always hope that the, you know, larger amassed corporations do not become more wealthy because it's boring at, at its very worst, it's boring. And outside of that, it's, it's ridiculously overly capitalistic. But, um, I also hope what you said is true. I, I I've heard it a few times this week, um, I, I don't know of the auspiciousness of it, but, or, or perhaps I'm just the last one to realize it, but, you know, there's been a lot of speculation that this mediocrity that seemed to be mm-hmm. kind of um, flooding a lot of areas of the market where talent was concerned, you know, where services were concerned and this kind of um, paying, you know, a, a pretty decent sum for, mm, semi- okay services, and that actually drowning out people that had like greater talent and and greater creativity and things of that nature. And that's exciting to me. Um, I always like to look at things realistically, but then also not forget the fact that you know we still um, there's still beauty and empathy and hope in the world. and so maybe that's the point of hope for this particular conversation that I'll take <laughs> away and focus on. I'm wondering, and given that, given that I'm looking forward with this this hope and things like that, and not barring or including or excluding, um, the COVID, uh, 19 situation. Do you, um, as a business, do you put yourself on the traditional one to three year, um, timeline for goals and future planning? And if you do, <laughs> what do those look like for you? Uh,
1: we have vague notion. I, uh, I think our, 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 this year we do, we do a state of the horse, right? So the state <laughs> of the horse is, uh, a report that I do uh, in this fall. I, I did one finally this fall. It was it was late, but it got there just before the deadline of December. Um, and mm. then we do one somewhere over summer. That's like June-ish. And it's it's honestly it's just an understanding of clients that we want places we want to go, products we want to launch, and um, and then clients we either want to retain or that we want to target, right? So. Uh, that part, yeah, we we have some knowledge, some knowledge before we're going. But a lot of what we do is pretty responsive. Um, this afternoon, actually, we did our first fireside chat with a woman called Tiffany Schnelline. Uh I suspect that we're going to do a lot more since I have like 150 people that I've come up with for guests so far today. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that is actually just directly related to the COVID epidemic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everyone is sitting at home and uh, we're fortunate enough to know a ton of people. And I'm like, I am going to give all these people a platform because why the hell not? Right. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're playing with that. Um, and I always wanted to run a media company. So if I'm lucky, uh, in addition to the services that we already offer, we're going to be able to own our own channels and, and really get out there. But at the same time, <clears throat> this is a really weird time uh, to be building a media company, <laughs> so or mm-hmm. to be building anything new. I think a lot of us, our instinct is to cling, and um, and whether or not that clinging happens and and continues, or or if it stops, uh, we'll see. But I'm really hopeful that my girls and, and my team is all women, except for the intern and one designer. Um, But I'm hopeful that our team manages to live through this and and ride the waves and that we we keep producing sort of best of class work for everything. You know, we've finally decided this year that we'll probably maybe fill in the awards forms. That seems like fun. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) uh Some paperwork. Stuff like that.
1: Yeah, uh, we back to taxes. That. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That, um, and then the other thing that we we finally did is we finally got our women-owned business certification, which we've completely okay. ignored thus far. Because um, mm-hmm. I always thought it was sort of obvious, but uh, the city and state of New York don't see it as obviously as I do. So, uh, you know, it, it's tasks like that we're definitely chasing. Um, and then we're just trying to decide. I'm trying to decide what my path forward is. We have some in-house talent that have consistently been promoted and, and, you know, they're, they're young, but they're feisty. Um, yes. So it's been fun to facilitate them maturing and I'm I'm hopeful that they'll stick around for a couple more years at least. Um, and then I'm, I'm, personally, I don't know. I, I, it it's, it's weird to feel so disconnected from New York city, but it, you know, as I spend more and more time at in the country where I'm from, it's uh, interesting to learn more about whether or not uh, I can call myself on my own bluff and say, hey, we're a fully remote company that literally is fully remote. You know, we don't have a home base in the same way that we might have otherwise expected. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we were for better or worse as a company that's been fully remote for seven or eight years, um, we've known how cool it was the whole time. Uh, mm-hmm. What I'm curious about is how many of these folks in the next eight months, twelve months, whatever, um, how many people actually go back to wherever it was that they had their office, and right. how much of the upper middle class white collar people stay wherever they retreated to. You know, I have friends across the country who are suddenly freed from their desks and their cubicles and stuff, and none of them really (laughs) minds or some of them Mm -hmm. don't wanna go back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think um, from my perspective, you're gonna have to fight more and more for real world interaction um, as as this drags on. And I think the only cost that we have is some of that serendipity. And so uh, how we figure out the equivalent of digital serendipity in a way that's fun and exciting. Um, that's really, uh, uh, what I'm looking forward to. Like what makes, what is this new world where we, how do we meet people we don't already know or already have a connection to?
0: Right. Um, we need the artists to hook up with the computer programmers. We need, we need some new ideas. You know, I've heard about, I, I stay abreast because of, of who I'm married to, of every new mm-hmm. little beta piece of software on the market and nothing has kind of blown anything out of the water. And I think it's because somewhere along the line, um, software development and, and even social media became wrote, you know, you could kind of explain, I mean, Snapchat came along and I was like, yeah, I could, I could have predicted that. I mean, it was just, there's nothing, you know, new being done. And so I'm hoping that with this, the artistic measures that come into um, uh, good programming start to play and, and really work for us. And uh, people like you, you know, um, prodigies are born in times of strife and times of, of, of feast. And I think that, you know, launching a media company in the middle of this kind of confusing time period could make it um just a, a thing of unique beauty and so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that and with your plans moving forward yeah
1: we still we actually have an event of some kind uh we haven't decided what it's should what it's delivery mechanism will be at the moment because we'd reserved space and now we're kind of figuring that out. But mm-hmm. uh, that we're doing with a partner organization this fall and one of the subject one of the areas is sort of the artist's vision of the future. So it's yeah what what cool stuff can the artists come up with that might actually be able to be realized? Mm-hmm. And then how do we how do we get somewhere from there? Um, and it's it's actually it's been a really interesting series of conversations for programming reasons because uh it it depends yeah if you're talking about a person who lives in a city uh their perception of what the future needs to hold is so wildly different from what someone in the country wants and um, and then the suburban people it's just a completely different world as well
0: uh, There is, there's different needs and different desires, but then there's also unifying factors that everyone overlooks. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, everyone wanted to get on Facebook, be it someone in Kansas and, you know, the fields to, you know, someone in downtown Madrid. I mean, so there, there are elements that connected us all at some point, these drives. And then I think you're right. I think there is diversification as to what people really need from their interactions and from the tools that we use and the art that we have that represents those tools and pushes them forward. I agree. I'm wondering if you, so if you bumped into someone, um, you're out in the country now. Um, so we can go back to when you were in New York or in the country and this, Mm -hmm. this particular, um, analogy doesn't really work because of COVID, but let's pretend Mm -hmm. that you could have bumped into somebody or you bump in virtually from six feet away And, um, they say, listen, I, you know, I was referred to you, Kate, I know what you've done with your life and I've kind of got a similar thing going on and I'm getting ready to launch, um, this company of mine. I'm going out on my own. I'm doing this, this, and this, I've got a few areas that I'm servicing, but what are the top three pieces of advice you would give that person knowing that they were following in a similar (laughs) path as you, but knowing what you know now?
1: uh don't screw up your money uh is the first thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. um we screwed up our money it took me it is 2020 it took me two and a half years to fix it uh and i literally fixed it the day before the pandemic so like that was kind of great timing but also what the hell um Mm -hmm. you know uh more than half your time, you have to spend on pitching new business. I don't care if you're selling shoes or creative services. Uh, you're not you, and you also have to be thinking a sales cycle ahead. So, in our case, a sales cycle is three to six months. For some people, it's shorter. For some people, it's longer. It takes two years to understand the rhythm, and uh, barring pandemics, most of the time things stay the sameish. Mm. Um, For example, I have given up on the month of August because it's stupid and it should be deleted. (laughs) Uh, I've also given up on the month of December, which is also stupid and should be deleted. And if I acknowledge that I don't have any expectations for either of those months, it's fine. If I have expectations, particularly in the context of sales for either of those months, I'm in trouble uh, because it's just, it's not going to work. Everyone is at the beach or whatever it is that they do that isn't working. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that, Took a lot of getting used to. And if you are a solopreneur or you're a small business, it is really all dependent on your shoulders. Um, and it, it is just going to take a long time <laughs> to get used to it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the third thing is related to those two issues. Once you have your sort of projected deal flow in it, you have to kind of commit to the type of business you want to have. You can either have a solopreneurship or whatever. small situation where it's like one to three people and that's all well and good. Uh, That is a situation where if your prices are high enough, you're going to live a very nice life. You have relatively low stress, but the minute that you have issues, you're going to have absolutely no backup. You can Mm -hmm. try to build a bigger company that can support you if things collapse, but the numbers get a lot bigger and it gets a lot scarier very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, You also end up uh, opening yourself up to a lot of risk in ways that you might not have uh, anticipated. And then the last thing is if, uh, and this is like a, so standard, but so stupid. If you don't know how to do something, hire someone who does, and Mm -hmm. it might seem really expensive, but it is worse to have a mad client than it is to lose 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever proportionate amount of bucks. Um, That was a hard lesson learned on my side, but I cannot stress how important it is because those first few clients are the clients who are going to make or break you.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And the whole, um, you know, doing it all, um, too many hats on one head makes for a, you know, sad outfit. And, um, I totally agree. I think that, you know, the angry client thing is just, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's my overachiever or what, but I agree. An angry client is just, it's worse than a a toddler who hasn't slept with, you know, um, the flu it's awful. Um, so I've got, don't screw up your money. Um, more than half your time should be spent, um, pitching new business. And know your cell cycle tied into that, and you have to commit to one kind of business. and that means hire the right people for the right task. Those are awesome pieces of advice that should be that there you go. I've just given you your next book proposal. if you, If you didn't have it already, <laughs> you're welcome from Patricia to Kate. That's awesome. No, it really is. it's a it's a small it's a small book I would read any day of would lead a thicker one actually. But um, that's fantastic. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate your time today. We are up and out of time, Kate. But I wanted to say, I know um, it's late where you're at. And um, I know that you're busy. And I really appreciate you taking the time and giving myself and our audience um, all of your candor and wisdom.
1: Well, thank you so much, Patricia. And let me know uh, if anybody needs to get in touch or wants to talk to me. I'm always online and always on all of the platforms. And I'm you bet. always happy to talk.
0: Fantastic. And you heard it. She returns all of her emails, folks. So reach <laughs> out. You we've been talking with Kate Gardner. You can find her at www.greyhorse.cc and kategardner.com. Um, and for everyone listening, thank you for giving us your time tonight. And <laughs> until we speak again next time, remember to always bet on yourself. Slunch.